Welcome to the Millionaire Secrets Podcast, where the most successful people in the world share their secrets to help you create the awesome life you desire. Welcome to another episode of Millionaire Secrets. This is Jeff Lerner, your host. Always thrilled to be here with you. Uh, Today, I am joined by Allison Maslin. She's the CEO of Pinnacle Global Network. Uh, She's written a best-selling book called Scale or Fail, which I'm excited to talk about the book, but particularly the concept. Um, She started 10, or she's built, actually, she might've started more than 10, but I know 10 of them were successful companies that she started all the way back to 19 years old. She's done work with Ben and Jerry's, Supercuts, Merrill Lynch, Allstate. She's a consultant to wildly successful companies, big and small, and an expert on how to scale and grow those companies. I'm so excited, Allison. Welcome to Millionaire Secrets. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're here. Um, I, lo- I will tell you, you're, we're having this conversation right at the, I guess, just after the end of the biggest year of scaling that I've ever done. Um, 2020 was a, a massive scaling year for me. So the concept is, is fresh on my mind and I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. But before we get into scaling businesses, can you tell me a little bit about how you got into scaling businesses, how you got, how you got into business in general at, at uh, 19 years old? Yeah, I uh, really grew up in this very entrepreneurial family. I feel super blessed because it was the only world, world that I knew. Hmm. Uh, my grandfather started a store in 1955 in Kansas City, a women's clothing store called Maslin's. And then my father grew uh, the stores and under a different name, o- over 50 locations, um, different chains a- across the United States. And it was the largest privately owned women's clothing store of its time through to the early 80s. And so when I was little, I used to go with him store to store. Uh, my sister and I used to play hide and seek in the boxes in the warehouse. I mean, like this is, I just saw him living the entrepreneurial life and he was, he loved his work. I mean, he was so passionate about it. I never heard him once complain. And so the message that I got early on was if you want something, go make it happen. And so they, I didn't really have that thought of, you know, you can't do this or, mm-hmm you know, who do you think you are? Definitely from my father. I, on my mom's side was a little bit more worried about the whole thing. But so when I, you know, told my dad at 19 that I was starting my first business, you know, he was, he thought it was fantastic. And um, so that's really how, how it all started. I started doing personalized poems for birthdays and anniversaries when I was in college And making $25 a pop, I was like, wow, this is amazing. You know, I'm going to be a poet, dad. And and he's like, oh, Allie, that is just so awesome. But did you know that most poets, you know, don't become known till they're dead? And uh, so I, you know, I was like, God, you're such a buzzkill, you know? (laughs) Um, And so obviously I moved on over to, I still love poetry, but it's not my business anymore. And that evolved over time of just um, uh, faking it till I I made it. Really, it evolved into a full service advertising and public relations firm. I went from poems to brochures, to television, to public relations, 
not knowing how to do any of these things, uh, but really not afraid to ask for help. I mean, I think that that was probably my biggest gift was to show up and say, hey, I have this client that wants to do a TV commercial. Can I hang out at the TV station and watch what you guys do so I can learn? Can I hang out at the printer for your press checks at three in the morning so I can understand how this works? So. And they were gracious enough to let you do that. They were. They were. I think that, you know, and I'm like this today. I love it when people are are hungry and they are asking for support and they are driven towards a dream uh, like I was. And, um, you know, you I think the biggest roadblock, I'm sure we'll get into this, is feeling like you have to know it all before you're out of the yeah. gate. And, you know, it just doesn't work that way. No, that's a, a recipe for never starting. <laughs> um, yes. So two things, two things jump out at me so far. One, uh, growing up with a six, not only a successful entrepreneurial parent, but in, an encouraging entrepreneurial parent, uh, pretty, a pretty rare thing, honestly. I mean, I have a lot of people on this show. I think this is episode number 110 or something. And um, usually the stories are not that. It's more mm -hmm. like, uh, I, you know, my family all thought I was nuts and, or, or I had to go to some crazy rock bottom or I did the corporate thing for 20 years and was depressed and I pivoted. Like, that's so cool that you were really gifted with that right out of the gate. Um, which yeah, I think I had those other be. things. I had those other things too. Oh yeah. Just so you know, I think we all, I mean, I, I did and I, I can share those things too, because I, I do think that those are actually helpful, Yeah, you know? Uh, but I, I did get all, I did have all the doubters. I did have the crash and burn, mm -hmm. you know, it's not been always this, uh, you know, like upward trajectory right. for sure. Um, but you know, I, there was, there was a point where, you know, I was, uh, had no money. I was single mom, you know, going to my mom going, Hey mom, can you help me out here? And I love my mom dearly, but she was so worried. She's like, get a job, you know, like who do you think you are kind of thing? Like what you were saying. And I think for me, that just made me dig my heels in more. And I'm sure you've heard those stories. It was like, well, now I'm really going to do this, right. you know? So I think not having the financial help actually for me uh, is the reason that I'm here because even having that kind of belief in me by my dad, uh, sometimes it's, you're, you don't know who you are at that age. Yeah. You know, most people don't have the confidence, even though I had the support, like I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I think if I would have had a, a bunch of money sitting there, you know, we always want to like save a bunch of money for our children and have this big trust fund for them. Right. Honestly, I think that's the biggest mistake because it was the fact that I had no money and I wanted a nice life. And, and I was getting that from another side of my family and friends who were just saying, Allison, that idea is never going to work. You know, you know, it's going to fail. And so I think that those things 
uh, are super valuable because that stubbornness kicked in, that I'll show them kicked in. And uh, if the money was sitting there, I don't, I think I, I might've gotten lazy. I might've been too afraid and thought, you know what, I'll just, you know, I'll just sit back here. That's, that's kind of like that golden handcuff, I would say. Yeah, I think, and, and I've seen a lot of companies um, in my in my case from back when I used to do some you know kind of sales consulting type stuff. I would work with companies that were like funded, where they, somebody just wrote them this big check, and it's crazy how undisciplined and unfocused even, and in some cases, they're just they're basically just pursuing a bad idea because yes. there's no there's no consequence they're not they're not going to run out of money and, and yet at least and and everybody kind of has this delusion I, I think you're so right i think that having money given to you out of the gate is it, it will it doesn't force you to kill bad ideas fast enough yeah i i think that is the biggest mistake is getting this funding early on especially if you don't have business background because you yeah. will run through that money and then you spend your time trying to get us another round. Right. And you really haven't create, you know, you, you see to focus on creating revenue. Really, you need to right. get out there and get customers. I mean, even Steve Jobs did that. You know, he didn't have a bunch of money when they were just, you know, putting Apple together in the beginning and building these computers. He was literally out selling mm -hmm. computers. Yeah, I'm reading... Uh right now shoe dog the uh the memoir of phil knight yes i don't know if, don't know if you've read it but it's, i have it's, i love that book. it's so good it's yeah. so good yeah like, where they're exactly trying what to yeah exactly like they didn't have enough money to to cover uh i cover the shoes you know getting right. the shoes you know very small shipment yeah I and even as even as bank was like, well, you're not keeping enough money in the bank. You're growing too fast. You're investing yeah. too much in, in inventory. It's funny how non-entrepreneurs, they just don't see the, the world the same way as we do. I know. That's why we need to stick together. And that's why your podcast is so important <laughs> because those of you listening are like, oh my God, that's so me. I just heard that today and I don't, you know, I'm ready to give up. But, you know, then they hear us talking going, yeah, that's just part of the club. Part yeah, of the and, journey. And, and I do think it's important to differentiate and, and, and really depersonalize the idea. Like for you giving up, and, and I see this, people are very binary about it where they're like, oh, well, my, my poetry business didn't make any money or my affiliate marketing travel blog didn't make any money or my crazy idea to import shoes from Japan and sell them didn't make any money. I guess I'm just not an entrepreneur. Yeah. What? There's like yeah. 7 million ideas and you're telling me <laughs> one of them didn't work. Therefore, none of them can like that doesn't make sense. Oh, my God. You know, I've, I've hit so many walls. I've had so many promotions and things just go bust. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think that's actually that's what creates the resilience of being an entrepreneur. And I, I think it really comes down to how badly do you want it? And so, you know. I mean, I've, I've had people where I've coached and I, I don't usually mentor startups anymore. We, we mentor business owners that are at a higher level, but I've had people go, oh, my website is not working. I'm just not going to do this business thing. And I'm like, you know what? You're not meant to do the business thing. And that, that's really okay because it's the difference of when you are working in corporate or whatever your job is, you have a structure. 
and you can be really good. And you, you know, I have an incredible team. They're, they're superstars and I'm so grateful to them. Um, and, but I, I do feel like, you know, it, when you have that, that position, you have a structure, you have expectations, you have somewhat of a roadmap, although, you know, you can add your creativity of that, of course, but when you have a business, you have to show up, you have to create that roadmap, you have to create the rules, the solutions, the fallbacks, all of that. So, so what's if you're so not up for that. Yeah, as you were talking about the level of commitment and how bad you have to want it, the thing that always comes up in my mind is it's like marriage. Like when it's hard, you don't go, oh, I guess, I guess mar either marriage doesn't work as a concept or marriage doesn't work for me. Like those are, I mean, eventually maybe, but I, even then people aren't bailing usually on the idea of getting married. They're just bailing on that person, which usually is a whole other issue. But I mean, it, yeah. it, I, I would think, I actually think running a business is harder than having a great marriage. I'm curious. Are, are, are you married? I, maybe I'm I am dozy. married. I'm, okay. I'm very blessed. Uh, I have to say that I was much better in the business world than in the relationship world. It took me a long time to figure that out. Huh. And I finally had an aha about, you know, 16 years ago, 15 years ago when I met my husband was, God, if I can, if I can do this business thing, what if I just apply the same rules to finding my soulmate? And, and so I did, you know, with the goal and the vision and all of that. And, and there and to, he was. And, to, and not just a finding, but to, to, for me, it's like running a marriage, you almost run a household like a business and people think that sounds callous or mercenary, but it's like, no, I infuse my whole person and my whole being and all the love I have to give in my business. That's how, I, but, yeah. you, but you're still deliberate and strategic. And there's like a, a, an annual plan and a budget and quarterly rocks. And hey, we're even like little weekly sprints. Like this week, we're working on our friendship. And I don't know, I, I, I really like bringing business principles to marriage. Yeah. Well, my husband and I work together in the business. So oh, wow. cool. there is definitely, it, he ran his own company for almost 30 years. And then I, I had been trying to get him to, come on over and work for it with me for a long time. Uh, and he, two years ago, he made that transition. And so that's a whole conversation in itself. I, I definitely think I can do a training for couples in business and we love it. It's awesome. But it took, it was a process. Let, let me just yeah, say. Yeah. That's, that's a, a, a loaded equation. It can be loaded <laughs> for good or loaded for bad, but it's, it's a, it's a heavy situation uh, I'm glad to hear it's working working out for you. And um, yeah, you're right. It's a whole conversation. We could literally, I could have you back on the show for an episode about business with spouse. Um, but a hundred percent, a hundred percent. But I, I do uh, agree with you. I mean, you you need to have some structure. Um, someone was asking me uh, recently, is it harder to, uh, which is harder, running a business or raising a child? So that. That's a whole other topic, but my daughter is 32 and she lives in another country. And I said, you know, I think it's raising a child because with, with a child, you never stop worrying, Yeah, you know, well, there isn't business, a day. Yeah. If your business crumbles, you tend to believe you can build a new one, but yes. you know, replace a child. <laughs> 
Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I think when you, which we'll talk about, but when you scale a business and you set it up in the right way, I don't worry about the business anymore. Not to say that, hey, life happens and things could happen and change. Uh, but yeah, I don't, you know, it's really all about setting up a business that you're running and it's not running you. Yeah. Now with my daughter, that's a whole other story. Right. Yeah, you'll never, you'll <laughs> never totally set that up right that way. Um, exactly. There's only so much you can optimize a parent relationship. Exactly. So, so let's talk about, I mean, that's a good segue. Let's talk about, because um, I mean, you know, my company, Entra Institute, we teach entrepreneurs. And if there's one thing I can say, you know, is the real pandemic, it's entrepreneurs that are being run and run ragged by their business. Yes. Uh, so you clearly, I mean, that's, all, that seems, I've read a bunch of your stuff. That's a major focus for you. Even the last post you made on Instagram right now is about getting control, automation, you know, freeing yourself. So talk a little bit about that. First of all, how did you get so good at it? Well, let's start there. How did you, how did you learn to do it? It's, I mean, they don't really teach yeah. that. Cool. Well, I learned the hard way, like what we were talking earlier. So just to, to backtrack slightly, when I built up that ad agency I talked about, um, and we had big clients like Supercuts and, and Ben and & Jerry's and, and Charlotte Russe, and business was great. You know, I was bringing in a lot of, a lot of money, traveling across the country. I was 25 years old, and uh, I was great at bringing in the business, but I didn't understand how to scale back then. I didn't, I had a few employees, but I was a control freak. I was afraid to let it go. Mm -hmm. And I was working night and day. I didn't have systems in place. I didn't have all of the things that you really need to build a sustainable company and have a sustainable life. And I, it got to the point where I was miserable. I was exhausted like so many business owners I'd forgotten what I even loved about the business anymore. I was suffocating in the business, but I was so afraid to leave because I was a parent, because I had these responsibilities, I felt trapped. And I think a lot of business owners can relate to that. And because I was afraid to make the move, the universe says, well, we're just going to do this for you. And I ended up having a terrible car accident. Mm. Uh, I actually ended up running over myself with my car. Uh, and that really is a thing because um, I tried to stop the car while it was moving when I was running late to pick up my daughter from daycare when she was very little. And uh, the car, you know, ran over me and oh. uh, I survived. Obviously, I'm here. Uh, and that was a miracle. And that was like, OK, like, obviously, I'm doing something wrong here. This this is not working and so I walked away from that very lucrative business. I was somewhat naive, pretty much handed it over to my partner. I was like, I am so done. I don't want to live like this, mm. but I love business. And let me figure out what I was doing wrong. And let me figure out what I was doing right. And let's pull that together. And that's where I developed this formula called the scale it method, which has evolved. That's been years ago. So it's evolved a lot over the years. But once I figured that out, everything changed. And, you know, I've built nine companies since then. And so it's, you know, I, I realized that a successful business is one that is separate from you, like that will run on its own as a team managed company so that you can leave for a good period of time or go through a pandemic or whatever 
and the business continues to thrive. And so that's really what we work with our clients on is that because a business owner will hit a wall in their growth. There's a point where it's like, there's no more bandwidth. Could be 500,000, it could be a million. Some of people make it to 3 million even at that level. And that's where we have to kind of go in there, reconstruct the company and build this team managed company and scale it. Yeah, and I found there there are multiple, I mean, I'm scaling a company right now to, you know, what I hope or I have some big ambitions for it for sure. But I would say we've hit multiple valleys. Like you kind of, you're growing and then you hit the wall and then it's like, you can't just push through. You almost have to go back to the drawing board and re-architect. It's like growing a company, but it seems like every time you add a zero, it's a whole new set of problems or new, new set of challenges. And we entrepreneurs, we don't have problems. We have challenges, right? But you know, to get to a hundred thousand, just go sell some stuff to get to a million, install some automation and systems to get to 10 million, build an executive team to get to a hundred million, you know, build out complex project management. It's like, you know what I mean? It's a whole new animal, yes. every, every iteration. Mm -hmm. um, what, what are the size of companies you generally work with now? Yeah. So we generally work with seven uh, and eight figure companies. We have companies up in like the 85 million mm -hmm. that we work with. And we have people, we have business owners that are just about to cross that seven figure line. We don't work with startups. Uh, I think, you know, I mean, I've been a startup many times, so it's right. nothing against startups. It's just, I feel we can do our best work uh, with these types of companies. And we work with companies in all different industries and business models. So whether it's a trucking company or a machine calibration company or a staffing company or a financial planning company, doesn't matter every one of these types of businesses can become scalable. And I agree with you 100%. You really have to restructure your business at each of these levels. I call it the five phases of scaling and happy to quickly run through those. Yeah, I would love to hear them selfishly. I don't know if my audience cares, but I want to hear them. <laughs> okay, sure. So um, the five phases of scaling and then went within each of those five phases, there are five pillars of scale that you have to pay attention to. So the first phase is I call the seeker. And this is where you're, you're just getting out of the gate. You're super passionate. You're really excited. Uh, and you're just, you know, beginning to drive in revenue. You're getting, starting to figure out, you know, who wants this product or service? Do I have the right messaging and so forth? And within that phase, you've got to look at the scale. The acronym for scale is strategic vision, cash flow, alliance of the team, leadership, and execution. So those five pillars within phase, all of the phases. And the issue with phase one is that you're doing everything, right? So th there is no scale happening in phase one. Phase two, I call the pioneer. This is where you've probably in the six figures at this point, you might have a couple employees like um, an assistant, mm -hmm. uh, a marketing person, hopefully a bookkeeper, but you're still 
approving everything that's going in and out of your business. You're starting to get more clear on your big picture vision, your customer journey and so forth. Uh, But you're still a bit of that control freak. And that's where I was all those years ago. And this is where that, that biggest piece of being able to let go is probably one of the hardest things for entrepreneurs moving into that CEO role. And then moving into phase three, I call the ringleader. And the reason I call it the ringleader is because, you know, it's a circus in phase three, like what you were talking about. And this is where you really, you don't have to go back to square one, but you do need to restructure your business at this higher level. level. You're definitely in the seven figures here. Uh, and you're probably somewhere between, you know, a million and 10 million in, in phase three Uh, You're building teams. Teams are a lot like families. Uh, Sometimes families don't get along. uh, And you're often making decisions um, because you are desperate rather than being strategic. Mm -hmm. And you don't really, you're not super clear on the roles that you need. So you, you, you do the opposite of the higher, slowly fire fast. You do the, the higher, fast fire slowly, which are both very costly And, um, but you start in phase three, you start to get more clarity on, okay, I see the potential of the trajectory here in this, in this vision. I'm, you're starting to put systems in place. You're starting to have regular meetings. You're beginning to see, uh, some people on the team that could be leaders. The thing is with phase three, it's a, it's the most critical phase. If you're really looking to scale up, because if you don't make the shift from boss to leader, your business will die here. And in phase three, when I run into the business owner of, I have no life, uh, I can't ever find good people. You know, that's generally because they're running the business like a boss and not a leader. And they've got their hands in all areas of the business. So they're, they're choking the growth right. of the company. So it's all about helping to get them out of, out of their own way. And that moves us to phase four, which I call the co-creator. And this is all about collaboration. This is not a, a top-down company anymore. This is bottom-up where you're tapping into the genius of your team. You know, so for instance, on our team uh, in Pinnacle Global Network, I don't do the direct mentoring anymore. I have 14 uh, mentors that have all uh, built and scaled up very successful companies. And so when this pandemic hit, I didn't even have to ask them to give extra support to our clients. They were like, we're all in, you know, we're, we're going to help them pivot, you know, let's help them, you know, create mm-hmm. new revenue streams, new markets, whatever. And so it ended up our clients, many of them had their best year like you. Uh, and so it's, it really is uh, beginning to step back and asking different kinds of questions Instead of giving answers to the team, it's like, why don't you come back to me with a plan? Mm -hmm. And then your team starts asking those questions. You know, how do we increase profits? How do we create a a better customer experience? And then phase five is what I call the visionary and why you got into business in the first place. And you really are, you have fully stepped back. The company culture is so strong because your vision, your values are running through every facet of the company. It's like you're there without having to be there. And the biggest challenge here is really just 
putting duct tape over your mouth so that you can just shut up and not get in the way because we tend to do that. So, yeah, there was a, there's a really a line that, you know, as our company's grown, I've, I'm frankly like you can't take a class in school on like, here's how to be a really great CEO. There's literally no class. And so I'm, you know, you go to the different sources and, and I read one thing I really liked. I can't remember if it was in, it was either in one of the EOS books or it was in less is more. I can't remember which, but it basically said as a leader of an organization, you'll know that you're doing a, you're doing your job when every time you, you talk about your mission or your vision, everyone rolls their eyes and go, Oh geez, here we go again. That if you're doing it so much that you get mocked, you're yeah. actually doing it enough. Yes. And I was like, yes, okay, that's good. a, that's a good, um, that I like that a lot and probably a good reminder that we all need to do it more. Uh, but that really is your, your role is elevating the energy, you know, mm -hmm. within the organization and helping, helping people tap into their genius. Uh, but yeah, I think that's, you know, when things are off the rails, it always is about vision. Mm -hmm. If your if your marketing isn't working, if you're um, if you're frustrated with your team, it is it does come back to vision. But the interesting thing is that most CEOs feel like they don't have time to work on their vision, and it is the thing that fuels the growth. I was just talking to Naveen Jain, um, who is uh, works with Peter Diamandis in XPRIZE. He is a billion dollar business owner. He's, uh, he is working on a project to, to find out how we can have human life on Mars. I mean, he's such a big thinker. Mm -hmm. And for him, it, that's all it is, is the mission. It really is that how do we help a billion people? How do we solve a major problem? For him, money doesn't even come into the equation. So, well, you mentioned Pierre Di Peter Diamandis. I've been quoting him lately. Um, and this is a freebie for everyone. I think he said something to the effect of if you want to make a million dollars, help a million people. If you want to make a billion dollars, help a billion people. Right. And I, I, I keep coming around and around and around to that because like, of course, we're, on, we're entrepreneurs, we're capitalists, we're money motivated. But there has to be something else because if you if you put the money before the mission, you're putting the cart before the horse and you won't get the money because it's too it's too narrow. It's too self-focused. Um, yeah. And it's not what's going to get you uh, through those walls we talked about earlier. It really is the why that is going to drive you. I mean, surviving because of money might get you to a certain level, but if you're going to really want to scale up to you know, 50 million, 100 million, whatever. It's got to be a much, much, much bigger picture. And uh, Naveen is speaking at, at my event coming up. So we've been having these conversations. Uh, but it, it truly is. The, those are the things that are going to fuel you. And, um, and that's what's going to excite your team, honestly. You know, we often think it's giving them more money when most people really want to get behind something that yeah. they can leave their legacy with. So I have a question and I'm trying not to turn this into just a free consulting session, but you're an expert on scaling and I'm right in the middle of scaling. So I, I, I'm, I'm tempted. I do have a question that I think will be of great value for the audience too. So it's not totally selfish. Um, 
One of the things that I've run up against in, in growing multiple companies and that I see a lot of people tend to struggle with as they start to try to build a team is, you know, when you're, when you initially are building a company, it's like you, you're the leader, you're the brain, you're, you're the kind of all things doer. And then you start getting some help here and there and you basically hire technicians, right? You hire, like, like you said, a bookkeeper or, um, you know, I don't know, a transcriptionist or a, a videographer, somebody that does a thing, right? They're implementers. Yes. Yeah. They're doers. And then as you're growing the company, you go, okay, I can't manage all this. I need somebody to help me manage the doers, the technicians. Yes. Yes. And so you're surrounded by technicians and you go, well, who's my best person that I can, I lean on the most. Great. You're the new manager and they're terrible. Yes. So I'm curious <laughs> in small growing companies that are budget constrained, they can't just go poach the best person off of LinkedIn by giving them a better offer. How do you counsel them through that? And how do you, how do you solve for that in smaller growing companies? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think part of it is that when you're doing your hiring, even at that level of, of implementers, there are certain people that will have leadership qualities. So you always want to look at that even with your hiring, even if they're not like your COO or CFO or, uh, you know, marketing director. Um, so I'll just give you an example. We do a lot of video within my company and I have two uh, great videographers on the team. One of them is an artist and he does video, video production, super talented. He's been with me eight years. He does our PowerPoints. He does a lot of social media posting and so forth. Um, he's a great implementer and he's added so much value to the team. Super sharp. Our other videographer does editing. And what I realized was when we would go to in events together, he would just take charge, even though he was an implementer, he was, he took charge. So I put him, I moved him into this leadership role so that when we're at events, he's, he's helping to run the AV team. Um, and, and same thing with, with, the coaching team that we had. So when I, when I started, we had one coach and then we had four and then we had five. And uh, I noticed within those coaches that there was, they were all great, but one of them, they really looked up to. Mm -hmm. And so I took the clients away from her, which was hard. And I put her into that director of mentoring role. And, and so I don't think that you necessarily, you know, I think having the implementers early on is, is good. And then as you start getting the traction and you start creating revenue, you can then bring these leaders in. And, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to get somebody that's over a hundred thousand in revenue. I mean, you could still find someone at, let's say 50, 60, 70,000 that, is still the implementer, but they have those leadership qualities. And the thing to remember is that if you are hiring correctly, which is one of the things we really work yeah. with our clients on, that person should drive your revenue at least three to 10 times what you're paying them in salary. Mm -hmm. Even if they're not in sales, by freeing you up, by moving production forward, whatever it is, taking things off, off your plate. 
Um, and so it, they should pay for themselves. But I think a big mistake is I see people bring in these COO marketing director mm-hmm. positions too early. Yeah. Get the implementers first, start creating that revenue, and then either move some of them up or bring those people in. And, and the other thing I'll just add here, which has been super helpful, let's say they do want 100 grand. Well, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to make it all within their salary. You could say, okay, I can do 80 and let's uh, have some skin in the game. If you help us reach this benchmark, then we will add you know, a 2% or whatever to help take them to that level. Mm-hmm. And even with 80,000, it's not like you're writing them a check for $80,000. Divide that by 12. Right, right. You know, I can't do the math here. It's definitely not my genius. Uh, divide that by 12, whatever that is. And just know that, you know, if that's, you know, five, six thousand, I don't even know like what 6, that is. 6,600 a month, I think. 6,600 a month. That 6,600 a month should be bringing in at least and you know, 18, 20 right. to a hundred thousand a month. And that's really how you want to look at it. And if they're not working out in two, three months and they're not help, you know, they're not starting to, you know, to create traction, then, then they're not a fit. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad I asked that. That was a, a great answer to that question. I appreciate that. You mentioned um, events. You, you're talking about your guy doing AB at the event. So can you tell mm-hmm. me, um, like what actually goes on at a, is it a scale or fail? Is that the name of the event? Uh, one of our events is called uh, the scale retreat okay. and we do. So we have an event coming up called level up live. It's our 10th year leading this event. I cannot believe when I, when I took that bold move 10 years ago, which was very scary. You want to talk about scary things. I had tears. I had, you know, the sick to my stomach, the whole thing. Can't believe it's been a decade now. Um, And so there's so much that goes into putting an event. Now this is obviously virtual for where we are right now, Uh, but it's, we, we moved the events to virtual in this last year and I cannot believe how incredible they've been. I, I, that's the gift of COVID for us was now we're able to reach so many people that may not have hopped on a plane, mm-hmm. you know, to come to San Diego to attend an event. But yeah, I have a, we have a whole event team that we work with. We, we build out a major set and what's unique about our events is that we, over three days, we take the business owner attendees through a journey. So it's not like, you know, a bunch of different speakers that are great and inspiring, uh, but disconnected from right. the end result. So we take them through the journey of the scale up method. So they, so you leave with a plan for the year or you leave with a step-by-step plan for all the areas of your, your company. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds uh, wonderful. You said you have one coming up. I know obviously mm-hmm. this podcast or this show will live forever, but for those yes. who are seeing it right now, when's the next one? The next one is February 4th to the 6th. Uh, okay. coming 2021 up for reference. 2021. Yeah. Yes. Uh, if you're listening to this in 2022, I'm sure we will do it again. Right. Uh, we've done it for the last 10 years and uh, it's, they're just so powerful. I mean, here's the thing. It goes back to what we're talking about. The biggest, one of the biggest mistakes that business owners make is they get stuck in the weeds. 
And I want to get them out of the weeds and into the clouds because the biggest growth happens when you're working on the business, not in the business. It's not a cliche thing. It's absolutely the truth. And when you are looking down on your business and, and working on the big picture strategies, that's where the multiplication of your growth is. That's where you go from 1 million to 10 to 20 to 50 are those big moves. And those do not come when you're just working harder in your business. It actually works against you. It is about creative strategy and really getting you out of your own way. So we, we talked about 2021, 2022, so on. I'm curious. It's, I mean, again, for people, we're, we're date stamping this, but it's January 2021 as we're having this conversation. Not to throw a curveball at you unprepared, but any predictions or assessments or even just a sense of what the hell we have in store for us in 2021? Does it get weirder? Mm -hmm. Does it get <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. Ah, that's a, such a great question. You know, I, I wish I was psychic, but I do, I do have some sense of things. I mean, look, we always knew that uh, technology was going to take hold and we were moving into a new era. We just didn't know that it was going to go this quickly. We knew AI is already happening. We know that self-driving cars are already happening. Uh, you know, we know that there are certain industries that are dying. We, the only thing we know for certain, and I think there's a song about it. I'm not going to, you know, jump into song right now. The only thing we know for certain is change that there will always be change. So the thing is, is that if you're holding on tightly to the way that it was, you will be disrupted in your business. You have to constantly be reinventing yourself. The thing that's very exciting and what we've been able to see in our business and with our clients in all different industries is that what this did was force them to, make, to, to think quickly and get creative where they've been able to shift their whole business in a matter of like mm. weeks, which has created so many other revenue streams. Um, but I do feel like that, uh, you know, in all industries, in healthcare, in finance, in tech, there are incredible opportunities out there. And whenever there's massive change, there are probably 75% of the people that pull back because of fear and play small. But there's that 20, 25% that say, ooh, there's a window of opportunity here and I'm going to dive in. I'm going to lean in. And this is where the great wealth is made. And this is where the big shifts are made. So there are plenty of problems out there that need solving. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, that's where the brilliance lies. Yeah. You know, I love, I love the way you said that. I'll, I'll kind of, I'll kind of end on this note that if everybody would reclassify their business from, Oh, I'm in the business of, public relations, or I'm in the business of dentistry, or I'm in the business of lawn, you know, landscaping. If you would just change it to, I'm in the business of solving problems, you'll never go out of business. You will never go out of business. And, you know, if you're in a trucking company, there are other forms of transportation, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, I'm in the business of getting people from here to there or, right. you know, it, but it may be in a new way. So hundred percent agree with, with what you're saying. And it tests our resilience and the, the resilience and adaptability are key. Uh, and, you know, stop watching the news, 
I, I, it, you know, I was there for a while this year with everything going on and it just gets so depressing. Do, do they still uh, air the news? I don't know. I haven't checked. I, I, I haven't in, in quite a while. And uh, I would say, you know, you're a much happier person, but then you, you know, you're here for a mission. You're here to, to create change or what, whatever the impact is, your dreams, your goals, focus on that. Focus on that. Take that energy and, and, and do good. Yeah, everybody kept telling me earlier or, or last year that I was supposed to be worried, but I don't know. I was just too busy. I kind of never got into it. So, I know. Well, good for you. You, yeah. you have to tune out all those naysayers, you know. Amen to that. Well, Allison, this has been great. Honestly, thank you for the free consulting session. I, uh, oh, sure. Yeah, I, I, feel like I love I just, it. I was up for the challenge there. Yeah, I'm, I'm even better equipped to keep scaling my business. And, and for the audience out there, really, this has been wonderful content. You're clearly great at what you do. I wish you the best of luck with your event. It's virtual, right? So anybody listening can like, how do they go buy a ticket or find yeah, out more? It is virtual. It's really cool. You just go to leveluploliveevent.com. Okay, we'll put and, that link wherever this appears. Okay, Awesome. Yeah. So for if you're serious about scaling and you are on a mission, definitely join us at Level And how can people get more insight just from you? Can they follow you on social or what's the best way? Yeah, definitely follow me on Instagram. On Facebook is under Allison Maslin. Uh, you can check out our website. Uh, we're just about to launch a brand new website in days here, pinnacleglobalnetwork.com. Cool. Well, again, this has been great. I'm so grateful you came on the show. I will announce everyone, if you want to grab our free ebook, we have a special link for Allison. Grab million, go to millionairesecrets.com forward slash Allison M, as in Maslin. And uh, Allison, again, thanks so much. This has been wonderful. This has been fantastic. Thank you. Of course. And thank you to all the viewers and listeners out there. You're the best part of this show and why we do what we do every day. Take care. We'll see you on the next episode. You just finished this episode of the Millionaire Secrets Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please like and share this episode and do leave us a review. Let us know how we impacted you today. Your next step toward creating your awesome life is to join me and thousands of others in the Entre Nation community where you'll receive free training, networking with other awesome life seekers, access to live events, discounts, merchandise, and other awesome perks head over to www.entrenation.com. That is www.entrenation.com and join us today. And of course, do please follow me on social media. I can be found on all the major social networks at Jeff Lerner Official. Thank you again for listening and please go be awesome.